of the Saint Benedict, chapter the third, De Adibendis ad Concilium Praticus, of calling the brethren to counsel, continued. Let all, therefore, follow the rule in all things as their guide, and let no man rashly turn aside from it. Let no one in the monastery follow the will of his own heart, nor let anyone presume insolently to contend with his act, either within or without the monastery. But if he should so presume, let him be subjected to the discipline appointed by the rule. The abbot himself <coughs> must do everything with the fear of God and in observance of the rule, knowing that he will have, without doubt, to render to God the most just judge and account of all his judgments. If it happen that less important matters have to be transacted for the good of the monastery, let him take counsel with the seniors only. As it is written, do all things with counsel, and thou shalt not afterwards repent it. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. In only posititur omnes, magistram sequantur regulam, neque ad ea temere declinetur ad quoquam. Let all therefore follow the holy rule in all things. It's a very strong uh, construction there. In omnibus igitur omnes. It couldn't be stronger. Let all therefore follow the rule in all things as their guide, and let no man rashly depart from it. The holy rule is our magistra, that is, the instrument by which we are schooled in the service of the Lord. As sons of St. Benedict, we are bound, first, to hold the holy rule in veneration, Second, to study it all our life long, making it spontaneously our first point of reference, and submitting to its wisdom in all the circumstances of our life. I emphasize this, that a monk make the holy rule spontaneously his first point of reference. What does the rule set forth? What does the rule teach? And uh, third, to prefer it, the holy rule, to every other school of holiness. This is what it means to have the rule as our magistra. Blessed Marmion explains that the type of holiness God looks for in a child of St. Benedict is, no surprise here, Benedictine holiness. Now the Greek 
passage from Christ the ideal of the monk, in which Abbot Marmion treats of this very question. The perfection assigned to us is of a definite type. In the same way as the baptismal vows are the initial point of our supernatural holiness, so monastic profession is the first impulsion towards our Benedictine perfection. It is not, in fact, either a Dominican perfection nor a Carthusian perfection which is to arise from our profession. It is a Benedictine perfection. For our vows have in view the practice of the rule of St. Benedict and of the constitutions which govern us. The rule interpreted by our constitutions and not the rule of another order or the constitutions of another congregation is what we have vowed to observe. The rule contains, moreover, all that is necessary for our perfection and holiness. It is in giving themselves to God by the bonds of this rule that so many monks are made holy and come to the highest perfection, to the summit of sanctity. So writes Blessed Marmion in Christ the Abilu Monk. As praiseworthy as other schools of holiness are, when God calls a soul into the Benedictine family, that soul most pleases God and glorifies him best by entering into the grace that was given in superabundance to St. Benedict in order to flow down from him over all his sons and daughters. This is a kind of capital grace. That is to say, it is the copious grace given to those who stand at the head of the great traditions in the Church in view of their spiritual progeny. David sings of it thus, Like the precious ointment on the head that ran down upon the beard, the beard of Aaron, which ran down to the skirt of his garment, as the dew of Hermon, which descendeth upon Mount Sion, for there the Lord hath commanded blessing and life forevermore. This is what we mean when we speak of the capital grace that flows down from the head upon all those whom God, his wisdom and love, has drawn after this particular saint who has been given this capital grace in view of his spiritual uh, project. Concretely this means that while the Benedictine can, for example, after his solemn profession and with the abbot's blessing, read great prophet, the Carmelite authors. They cannot become for him the primary reference and the form of his holiness without in some way falling short of the particular 
and to derive much instruction and consolation from his writings, it would be a mistake for a Benedictine to attribute to St. Francis de Sales the spiritual fatherhood that in God's plan for him rightly belongs to St. Benedict and to no other. Mother Mathilde de Bar had a privileged relationship with St. Francis of Assisi. She was for a time uh, a member of the Franciscan Order of the Annunciade. But when she discovered the rule of St. Benedict, she knew beyond any doubt that God had given St. Benedict the full rights of paternity over her soul and over her destiny. There are monks who have a particular devotion to St. Bruno, others to St. Philip Neri, and still others to St. Peter Julian Aymar. In such things, the true Benedictine spirit is one of freedom and breadth and delight in the glorious diversity of the Church Catholic. There is all the same a particular forma sanctitatis that comes from following the holy rule in all things as one's guide. It is this constant and spontaneous reference to the holy rule, Bossuet calls it a mysterious abridgment of the gospel, a mysterious It is this constant and spontaneous reference to the Holy Rule that makes one a child of St. Benedict. If you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus by the Gospel, says the Apostle, I have begotten you, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me, as I also am. There is, uh, in the choice of one's reading, uh, certain principles to be followed for the first five years at least of one's monastic life. Um, a, a brother does not choose his own reading. If he desires to read something, he brings it uh, to me and asks uh, for a blessing to read uh, that particular book. And this is to assure that, uh, and to, to ensure that um, uh, the brother is growing up with the Holy Rule as his primary and spontaneous and constant reference. This is what makes a Benedictine. You know the story I've often told it of uh, Abbot Gervanger when in the first years of the restoration of Benedictine life at Solem, Abbot Gervanger and his disciples were uh, roundly criticized by the few uh, aged Morris who had survived the revolution, saying, who is this diocesan priest with his, with his companions? claiming to be Benedictines. Why, they have no pedigree. <laughs> we have, we have uh, not uh, transmitted our heritage to them. 
That was that was his response. And in fact, one becomes, one is addicted by this spontaneous and constant reference to the holy rule, the mysterious abridgment of the gospel. This is not to say that one cannot find inspiration and instruction in uh, other sources, but these sources avail us in proportion to their closeness to the spirit of St. Benedict. For instance, when I was a young monk, I read all of these books written by a Carthusian. Um, There's a whole series of little, little books uh, that the, the Carthusian doesn't give his name. Uh, those books availed me much. Uh, I received much for reading those Carthusian books precisely because they were in perfect harmony with the rule of St. Benedict. Similarly, when I was a very young monk, I read uh, the book of uh, Don Jean Leclerc on Blessed Paul Giustiniani, the uh, reformer of the Canal de Lise. And that book uh, has remained with me in, in the granary of my soul to this very day. There are pages in that book that I will never forget. It was a great moment in my own monastic journey when I read the life of Blessed Paul Giustiniani. So, uh, the Canal de Lise, the Benedictine family, but nonetheless, um, their particular form of Benedictine life is not ours. And yet, I was able to draw much from that reading always asking at the time for the blessing of my father master in order to read such things. Similarly, uh, many monks have derived profit from reading the authors of the French school, uh, notably uh, saint louis de Montfort. Uh, many brothers uh, have, have found light and consolation in uh, making the act of total consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary according uh, to Saint Louis de Montfort. Again, one has to look closely at his writings and in so doing one discovers that he quotes the fathers uh, from start to finish, um, including Saint Germanus of Constantinople St. Ildefonsus of Toledo, it's, it's quite remarkable. Huh? So, certainly, we uh, derive great profit there. Um, I gave you uh, a few weeks ago the little uh, masterpiece of St. Alphonsus de Liguori on prayer, finding that uh, it supports uh, um, amongst growth in intimacy with our Lord, and that there is nothing in it uh, contrary to uh, the impetus given to prayer by the Holy Rule, because it's simply a, a, a catena of scriptural and patristic texts. So St. Alphonsus did us a great service in stringing together all of these texts, and the little book is quite useful. Uh, it's, it's, it's 
given that in our studies uh, we refer to the fathers, to the, fa the fathers of the church, uh, the, the, the undivided church, fathers of East and West, that we refer to the doctors, uh, that we attend to the luminous and clear teaching of St. Thomas. All of this is uh, well suited to a monk's spiritual and intellectual growth. This being said, the rule remains the primary, the indispensable, the habitual reference against which, or by which, if you will, all other things are measured. This is what confers on 